Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Harry Sherwood. Harry's dedication to following his heart led him to travel the world. Over the last decade, he has lived with and learned from monks, yogis, martial arts masters, professors, and psychologists. Harry practiced thousands of hours of meditation and earned a religious studies degree from the University of Michigan. He also studied Tai Chi, Qigong, Kriya Yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and psychology. And he took part in shamanic and tribal ceremonies, as well as plant medicine and funeral rituals all over the world. The culmination of these experiences led Harry to found Consciously.org, where he and Melanie McDaniel guide people into fulfillment, transformation, and expanded awareness in mind, body, and spirit. Harry, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled to have you, not only because I have another Wolverine on the show. So go blue. I also graduated from Michigan. And uh, I love it. I love it. Yep. Thrilled to have somebody else from you if I'm here. So thank you. Okay. So now that we have that out of the way, um, <laughs> I'd love to hear about your journeys. Tell me how you ended up studying and living with monks. You know, it really came out of this, this inner calling to go on some sort of quest. And that was mixed with also feeling suffocated by the life I was living. You know, I really... I felt like the current, I was in college, I was a high school football coach, I was partying on the weekends, and it, my life wasn't serving me. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel suffocated. I started to feel like I was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also had this inner, inner calling to, do, to go on an adventure, to live my life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to do that. And first stop was in China, studying uh, Tai Chi and Qigong with uh, martial arts masters and monks. And the second stop was living with yogis and monks in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was wonderful. It was challenging. It was all sorts of different things. But I am so happy that I took that step. I took that leap. And it really, it came from a mixture of being called to it as well as needing a change in life. And so what stands out about that experience? Like, can you recreate for our listeners a little bit about what that was like, you know, and I'm sure it was a, a stark contrast to the life that you had lived previously. And so were there adjustments? Were, was there discomfort? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So there, there are several experiences I could cite along the way. Um, I, I have lived with monks, uh, like I said, in China, as well as in the States. I, I lived with the monks in the States and two different occasions, about three and a half years apart. Uh, and so, you know, each experience was different each experience, I was different. Mm -hmm. And so the first time that I went, China was different than I thought it was going to be. It was far more focused on the physical aspect of things, eight hours of training every day. Mm -hmm. And it really took a toll on my body. And it was much more of a cultural experience, a cultural dive in, so to say. Mm -hmm. 
than a spiritual one, which is more of what I was looking for. Uh, so it was, a, it was just an eye-opening experience in a different way of life. Mm-hmm. And then the ashram in the States was, was my first experience not having a, an avoidance mechanism, so to say. So mm-hmm. uh, when, I wasn't, when I was feeling lonely or disconnected, frustrated, out of my element, the only answer was introspection and meditation, was diving within, was creating a deeper connection to myself. And it really challenged me to learn about myself, about how I operate, my beliefs, so on and so forth. And the, at the ashram, the day-to-day schedule was wake up at 7, uh, meditate from 7 to 8, mm-hmm. and eat some breakfast, serve or work until noon, meditate for a half hour, then eat again, then work till 4.30, then some break, leisure time, meditate for another hour from seven to eight, and then you had eight to 10 free time where they suggested reading or more meditation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saturday was similar and Sunday was all silent with six hour meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. And they they broke on the hour for maybe five minutes. They would do a song or a chant, and then you could stand up and go to the bathroom if need be. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was (laughs) needless to say, it was a little (laughs) different than what I was used to. Yeah. But all my years of football, as well as martial arts before then, the discipline aspect of it wasn't too unfamiliar, but the rest of it was. Sure, sure. You know, you've studied so many different traditions, rituals, um, you know, just ways of doing things. And so I wonder, you know, if any particular experience stood out for you or had more impact or that you've taken into your life post this experience, you know, like the funeral rituals or any of the shamanic things or, you know, is there something that, that was really pivotal and that you've sort of incorporated into your life since then? You know, I'm often asked that and it's hard to cite one thing because I feel like over time, if I hadn't learned meditation in the way that I did and then go to China and then go to the ashram and then go to school and then go to Ghana and Indonesia and then go to back to the ashram and then start to get might make my way into the shamanic things. Each one built on the last one. I created a foundation and I started to see a different way of life. I started to make life changes and integrate those new ways of life. Some of it lasted, some of it didn't. So each one helped the the previous one. And so I feel like I'm having incredibly powerful experiences all the time. Even yesterday, I had an amazing breakthrough experience because of the previous decade plus of work that I've done. But a fun story uh, Mm -hmm. that really opened my awareness was my first time at the ashram. You know, I had read and they talk a lot about this state of self-realization and it's really an equivalent of something akin to what most people might labels enlightenment, mm-hmm. where there is a literal shift of consciousness where our everyday waking consciousness is expanded mm-hmm. and expanded beyond our individual self. So me as Harry, as this human body and all the social identities and other aspects that come along with it, mm-hmm. that where that ends, basically where my skin is, mm-hmm. um, and where my environment begins, begins to blur and they actually begin to unite. Hmm. And yoga in the ancient teachings actually means yoke or union. 
And mm-hmm. so the entire idea is to create this union of consciousness with myself and other, with myself and universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, I'd heard the concept, I'd read about it. I was excited about it, but I hadn't, I didn't have any experiences to really say, oh, there, that's, that's what that was until one day I came out of a 90 minute meditation and I was heading up to the place where we ate and I was walking up this little grassy hill Mm-hmm. And there was this ringing coming from inside of my head and it mm-hmm. sounded something akin to, if you've ever heard like a Tibetan singing bowl or a gong yeah. that's yeah. just, <laughs> yeah. and it was in the center of my head. And I just, I, you know, I didn't think it very strange, but it started to get louder and it started to expand. And when it passed my skull and went outward it started to merge and it had this very deep magnetic presence. Mm. And so I, I stopped and I tried to take a couple more steps, but I felt like I had moon boots on, like I had <laughs> gravity boots on. <laughs> yeah. And I literally, my feet were being pulled into the ground. Oh my gosh. And so I took two or three more steps and I just said, all right, whatever's happening. At this point, I'd been trained enough to, to surrender and say, okay, let's, let's just experience whatever is about to happen. Yeah. And as I just let go, as I just surrendered, the, the, that energetic resonance just shot out and it merged with as far as the eye could see with everything. Hmm. And I opened my eyes back up and it was like those Claritin clear commercials where (laughs) it's all like fuzzy, but then it's all new and vibrant. Uh And I was looking at the hues of the green of the grass and the blue sky and the the dirt and the trees as if I had was seeing it anew for the first time. Hmm. And every breath I took, I was connected with the grass and the sky. I was Myself and my environment were no longer two things. Mm -hmm. And every breath I took, the grass breathed with me. And the grass wasn't just this grass. It was life itself full of of energy and life force. And there was this merger that took place. And it only lasted maybe three or four minutes, but it left me in a deep awe. And once it was done, I went up and ate my food and I was just, I was in this awe the rest of the day. And it really, it was the first time I ever had that experience that challenged my previous way of living Hmm. to the point of, wow, other states of consciousness are as real as my original state. If not, somehow it felt more real, it felt more alive, it felt much more connected Uh, And that really fueled my seeking and my journey and my continued passion for having different experiences in life. That is an incredible story. I mean, I, I want to experience it. And it's like, it's like almost as if most humans are never scratching the surface of what is possible, you know, for awareness and purpose here on earth, you know, until, until you reach that if you're lucky enough to reach it. You know, I remember um, I was trained in the mindfulness meditation method. And when I started meditating a number of years ago on a really regular, consistent basis, and everybody had talked about the vibration and I'm like, what are they talking about? You know? Mm -hmm. And and I remember we were um, 
we were on vacation at the beach in Delaware. And so I always started my day with meditation and there were tons of people in the house. So, you know, my husband was still sleeping and I just sat up in bed and I'm like, I'll just meditate here without disturbing anybody. And it felt like the bed was shaking and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to wake him up. And so like I went out on the porch and I, you know, continued my meditation. And then all of a sudden like the chair I was in was shaking and I'm like, is this what they're talking about? You know, like it was, I mean, he didn't budge, so I'm sure the bed was not shaking. I'm sure it was my vibration, you know. But um, it's it's kind it's like scary, but awe inspiring, like you said. I mean, it's just and mine was like a fraction of what you just described. So that's incredible, just incredible. There, yeah, and I love your experience and your description of it. And <laughs> and it's there are several different types of you know we could call them spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. ranging from vibrational frequency to expansion to deep levels of joy or peace or bliss and so on and so forth. There are literally hundreds that we could name mm-hmm. and they're all, they all come in different shapes and sizes. And each one, as you were saying, it teaches us something different about life and about ourselves. And it's that self-exploration that I think leads us to be able to experience these things. Yeah, it's incredible. So of course, it's a great opportunity to ask you about consciously.org. And I want to know a little bit about it. So, you know, tell me what it is, how it came to be. And, you know, for our listeners, you know, who's this for? How can they get involved? Just tell me that story. Yeah. So I guess I'll just continue on with with my general story because it leads right into that. Um, Perfect. So I, I guess just a brief overview is in 2010, went to China. In 2011, I went to the ashram uh, for the first half of the year. The second half of the year, I, I landed in Michigan to do my religious studies degree over the next two more years. And then I also went to Ghana and Indonesia. Then in 2014, I went back to the ashram for another five months. And so that four, five years were really those were the journey. Those were a very just exploring who I am and, and what I'm actually passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to California and I met my partner and life partner in business, Melanie, Melanie McDaniel. Mm-hmm. And she had come to this exploration in a very different way. She had had a very traumatic past and a very traumatic childhood. And so she had been in and out of Western therapy for over a decade. And it wasn't until she found holistic approaches that she really started to gain traction in her healing. Mm-hmm. And so we came together. I learned from her. She learned from me. And not long after that, I started teaching meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got back into sports performance coaching. As I said, I was a high school football coach beforehand, and I started mm-hmm. coaching CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And along that way, um, you know, I really dove deeper into nutritional coaching. Uh, the monks where I lived were all vegetarians, so I wanted to learn how to do it in a way that was really empowering as well as healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wound up coming across plant-based, so 100% plants, um, not just no meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became something we applied. And so over time, we just naturally, she started supporting people in trauma and trauma work. I started teaching meditation and, and the sports performance and the nutrition. Mm-hmm. But we were also working on the side. We were salespeople, did some real estate for a few years. And, you know, we, it was it was it was our passion and the way we lived our life, but it wasn't our full-time career quite at that point. And then a few years ago, we decided to go all in and say, you know what, this is where we, we really, our passion lies. This is really where we seem to be helping a lot of people. Let's do this. Let's go all in. And so we created consciously and consciously is about holistic living. And Mm -hmm. our perspective is that 
we are made of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects. And if those, one of those is out of alignment or not doing well in our lives, it does affect the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And so we typically, the four main things we work with are meditation, plant-based nutrition, emotional release, and life coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we bring those together to help guide people towards a, an expansive life, a passionate life, a healthy life, and something that they wake up and they're excited about, not mm-hmm. just trudging through the, the trenches of life, so to say. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, naturally along the way as well, I got involved in a two-year mastermind group around life coaching. That's where I learned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got involved with plant medicine to the point where Melanie has for over a year now has been being trained in to be a medicine space holder. Mm. Uh, most people might call this tra- being trained in to be a shaman. It's not necessarily the word that <laughs> she likes to use, but um, that has its own list of fascinating tales as well. <laughs> uh, so we really approach this from different cultural angles, different health perspectives, uh, and we do everything we can to help people along, whether that's working with them one-on-one for six months or more, Mm -hmm. or in our meditation groups in the morning. We meet every morning on Zoom Mm -hmm. um, in a group meditation for a half hour, uh, to we have a master soul group where we teach spiritual meditation and try to bring them to these expansive experiences we talked about. Mm -hmm. So we have different avenues of working with people and it's really dependent on where are you, what are you looking for and what is it you believe we can help you with. And then we come together and try to put something together there. That's amazing. So, so there's a lot to unpack there and I'd like to spend a little time, you know, looking at each of these aspects, you know, so, I mean, cause they're big, you know, meditation is big and it's something we could do a whole episode on, you know, um, I'd like to first start with plant-based nutrition. And so, um, you know, (laughs) it's funny, I'm the mom of four teenagers and one of my kids wants to uh, be a nutritionist and she goes back and forth through, you know, different philosophies and she's still 16. So there's time for her to develop her expertise and everything, but she's really passionate about it. And there are times that, you know, she's adamant that like meat is really good for you. And the times that she's like, you know, we really shouldn't eat meat. It's not good for the environment. (laughs) And, you know, and, and I have friends who are, you know, who've totally changed their health profile by going vegan. And, you know, so, so talk to me a little bit about plant-based nutrition and, you know, why that's such an important focus. We'll get into the other stuff too, but I want to start there. So yeah, let's hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's impactful for me on every level. Like your daughter was saying, uh, the animal agriculture industry is one of the largest negative impacts we have on our environment today, whether Mm -hmm. that's CO2 emissions or that's creating, it's called desertification Mm -hmm. of land, um, on the amount of water and resources that go towards it. Mm -hmm. So becoming vegan, uh, number one, is actually one of the most impactful choices we can make Mm -hmm. to be an environmentalist, actually. Hmm. So for people who are interested in that, obviously, that that is a very big draw for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's humanitarian aspects of things. There's a lot of different angles, but the nutritional aspect is what a lot of people are interested in because they want to, you know, as much as they want to make a, a choice that is maybe ethical or a conscious decision, they want to know that they're not going to personally, physically suffer for it as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, it's, it's interesting is the more I've delved into the nutritional science of things, you can do plant-based or vegan uh, right 
Mm-hmm. But you can also be a junk food vegan. So oh, sure. the amounts of sugar you can consume as a vegan is like, it's crazy, you know? A- absolutely. And so it's learning how to do it correctly. And mm-hmm. that's learning how to balance the five main groups uh, mm-hmm. within veganism and, and, and plant-based foods, which is number one is nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. Number two is fruits. Number three is vegetables. Number four is whole grains. And number five is legumes, which, is our, which are your beans and your lentils. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's finding out within the, those parameters what works best for you. You know, we're also big on intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So if you eat something like quinoa and your stomach hates it and you say, okay, well, maybe that was just the first try, but you've given it a three, three weeks to four weeks try and you just, you are not doing well. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Move on. Mm-hmm. And let you want to feel good after a meal. People who say, oh, I'm going into my food coma. It's actually telling them something that means that your stomach lining and your gut's most likely inflamed from the food Mm -hmm. that you're eating and that your Mm -hmm. body's having to amount and amass an excessive amount of energy in order to digest what you just put in your body. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling good after a meal, that's Mm -hmm. actually something to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and then just getting the, the uh, you know, a good balance of everything that I talked about can lead to, uh, it's amazing actually how much phytonutrients are in mm-hmm. everything I just talked about. And phytonutrients are, it means plant nutrients. Okay. And they act within plants as the guardians. So if a mm-hmm. plant that has, say, spinach that has certain phytonutrients gets some sort of uh, disease or something that, a toxin that, that comes in and, and wants to destroy the plant, these mm-hmm. phytonutrients acts as a defense mechanism mm-hmm. and it detoxes, it gets rid of detoxin within the plant. And amazingly, what studies have shown is that they do the same thing to our bodies. So mm-hmm. when you're ingesting a high level of plant-based foods, mm-hmm. you're actually consistently detoxing yourself of all these um, very harmful things that uh, we ingest uh, without possibly knowing it from processed foods, from our environment, from type of water or other liquids we're ingesting, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And so it's, it's a very, very healthy choice within that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of anti-inflammatory processes um, or aspects within plant-based nutrition. Uh, I would just say the other thing that I'm sure a lot of people question is the protein um, and, you know, do, are, are you going to get enough protein on being plant-based? And the answer is, yeah, once again, if you do it correctly, mm-hmm. there's two different things about the protein. Number one is that the, the current idea around how much protein we need as, you know, an average person, it's really not as high as other people might think. You know, protein's really become protein is king mentality, mm-hmm. especially in the West, mm-hmm. um, but there's plenty of protein, plenty of protein in the foods if you get a well-balanced diet and plant-based nutrition, even if you're an athlete. Yeah. Uh, and it's just making sure. And, and honestly, this is without protein powder. You can do plant-based mm-hmm. protein powders as well. But even without it, you can get plenty if you're getting your nuts and your seeds, your legumes, your whole grains, mm-hmm. uh, even your vegetables, you're getting some and, and the fruits as well. So, uh, And uh, uh, the other interesting fact about protein is all the amino acids that make up the protein chains originally come from plants. And so mm. the, the, the protein that people are getting from animals is actually, they're originally getting it from the plant. So it's a secondary sure. Uh, sure. source versus a primary source. Interesting. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's easier to go directly to the source because you don't have to, there's not a degradation of, yeah. the, uh, of the source that you're getting the protein from. So 
You know, it's it's interesting because um, I mean, I've I've traveled extensively and I've been to you know places where it, vegetarianism is the cuisine. You know, I've been to India, I've been to Bali, I've been to you know other places, and you're never lacking. I mean, like there's plenty to eat and there's, and it can be delicious. And I feel like so many barriers have to do with knowledge and just knowing recipes and how to season things and what herbs and spices to use. And, you know, cause we live in such a consumer culture that we want to just grab something fast. And the only thing you can grab fast, unless you're just grabbing, you know, a fruit or a vegetable or whatever, are processed foods. I mean, that's really, you know, or fast food or something that somebody else is preparing for you. And so I feel like there needs to be some empowerment and knowledge in order to ease into a plant-based nutrition lifestyle, right? Yeah. And it's funny you say that because we typically tell people that um, most vegans are probably more knowledgeable around nutrition than the average American mm-hmm. for that exact purpose. We, you know, you need to go into it eyes wide open. You need to do your nutritional research and read the books around it. And there are several of them nowadays and really understand uh, how to do this well, which honestly, most people don't in general. So a lot of people are deficient in, in this way or that, which is why we're seeing uh uh, you know, I'm, I almost said pandemic because of everything that's going on, but an epidemic of, of health worldwide, whether that's diabetes, obesity, heart disease, so on and so forth. Uh, so absolutely, you know, it comes with education, education around cooking. It comes with tinker tailoring things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you would cook otherwise. It's what what do I like? What works for me? How can I do this in a timely manner? What's meal prepping? How do I do that? Let's make a smoothie early on in the day and then I can put it in the fridge at work and drink it at lunchtime. Uh, so it is a learning process, but it's one that's well worth it. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you taking me through that. And I, I hope that's helpful for our listeners too. Um, it's something that I've dabbled in thinking about for a long time, but haven't taken the plunge. And I just think you have to sort of like get out of the comfort zone and open the cookbooks and, you know, just have have your plan so that you know how to move forward, you know. Um, but I want to ask you about a couple other things. And so, you know, you mentioned plant-based nutrition, you mentioned meditation, um, this whole idea of holistic living. I feel like the word holistic gets thrown around so much. And so, you know, are there certain like frameworks or tenets that would define holistic living? Like, yes, plant-based nutrition might be part of it. Meditation might be part of it. Are there other things, other concepts that you would include in that definition? Yeah, so there's actually a couple different perspectives on an S you're saying, and then there's spelling it two different ways as well with the H or the WH. Mm. We, we tend to spell, spell it with a WH. Okay. And honestly, there's a very simple way of thinking about it. We as beings are whole, mm-hmm. and it's returning to that. Hmm. And that's done in a different way for everyone. So I don't want to confine holistic living necessarily to well, if you're not plant-based or you don't meditate or you're not someone who's working on your emotions or you don't travel the world and expand your consciousness or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't want to pigeonhole anything. It's more about, you know, at our core, at our center, we are whole beings. We are complete. Uh, but along the way, whether it's the programming from our childhood or it's society or it's certain choices we've made or it's certain, you know, nutritional habits we've picked up along the way, um, a lot of us tend to begin to operate uh, from maybe a place of lack, maybe mm-hmm. a place of unworthiness, maybe a mm-hmm. place of um, 
you know, non-acceptance, whatever it may be. And, you know, as a result, our health starts to degrade, our relationships might degrade. Uh, some aspect of life isn't, we're not necessarily at peace with. And so it's, it can be as simple as thinking about it as, am I, am I genuinely, when I take a true look in the mirror, am I genuinely in love and accepting of the person that's looking back at me? Hmm. And the truth is, is the most people, the answer is no. Um, you know, some people, they have a lot of their ducks in line and they really do love their lives, but there's maybe one aspect that they haven't explored, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's, you know, I, we have clients that we have them do this exact um, thing. We have them look in the mirror naked mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we have them tell themselves, I love you. Um, and you'd be amazed at how many people come back saying, I, I just couldn't do it the first, second or third time. And by the time mm -hmm. I could do it, I didn't feel it was genuine. Mm. Um, and so, and obviously that's not everyone, but mm -hmm. it's just really asking yourselves, am, you know, am I whole? Mm -hmm. And if I'm whole, it, it, it typically comes along with a, a really con deep existential contentment with the way mm -hmm. uh, I am and life is. And you know, it's a journey for most of us. It's an unfolding and then it's creating a lifestyle that's in alignment with that wholeness. So, you know, this sounds like it's so many different things and I, I don't want our listeners to be overwhelmed. So would you say um, if there's any one place to start, even just a question to ask yourself or, you know, are there resources they can sort of browse through at consciously to sort of whet the appetite and see where they need to direct their energy? What, what advice would you have for that? Yeah, absolutely. And I do realize that there are a lot of moving parts here um, and we do our best to simplify everything. So sure. a common question that we ask people or we ask new clients uh, is just, what, you know, what's your why? What is your reason that whether you're coming to us or you do anything in life? Mm -hmm. uh, we help people find what we call the true north statement, mm -hmm. which is, hey, if I were to walk this direction the rest of my life, um, and everything else around me crumbled. Nothing else worked out for me, but I kept walking along this line mm -hmm. and I devoted myself to it. I would think that that's a life worth living. And for some people, that's being someone of compassion and a family person. For other people, that's, I want to achieve this dream and I want to do it with integrity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be complicated. Mm -hmm. But it does need to be true for you. Doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, try not to make it someone else's candid answer. Often we have, we want what someone else taught us to want. Mm -hmm. So it's really sitting with your heart and asking yourself, what is my why? Why do, what do I want? And mm -hmm. why do I want it? And mm -hmm. re-ask those questions several times until it feels so right and so true. And this might take, you know, it might take a course of you know, several weeks or a little bit longer mm -hmm. to tinker with it, to sit with it, to honor it, and then to move forward. But once you find it, um, it, it can be a really powerful way to start your journey and also to guide your journey once you're on it. And of course, we will put in our show notes how to find you, how to find Consciously, and encourage our listeners to check it out and see what fits for them. Um, and before we close, I usually like to finish my episodes um, by asking our guests what permission slip they'd offer to our listeners. And this is just sort of, you know, giving ourselves permission to seek our meaning and live by purpose. So what permission slip might you offer to our listeners today? You know, I'm going to go along the lines of what I talked about in the whole, the wholeness within. Allow yourself to 
be whole and allow yourself to truly believe that and anything that comes up to challenge that any reason why you're not you're unworthy Mm -hmm. of being whole and at peace any beliefs that come up any emotions that come up i would challenge you to let those go and Mm. to recognize that those maybe served you at one point in life because they wouldn't be there otherwise but Mm -hmm. you can let them go and Mm -hmm. you can live the life that you want to live deeply as you accept that and, and allow it to occur and it comes with that inner wholeness, that completeness, that you are everything you've ever sought. And it's just that, that deep, true connection to you, that wholeness that we've all been seeking. And we can find, we can come into that wholeness. It is a real thing. These are great. And I think we're going to have lots of permission slips from you that we can share, um, which we'll share on all of our channels and tag you and everything. But um, Harry Sherwood, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. And I hope everybody's going to go check out Consciously. It sounds like the first step toward everybody's best future. So thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And real quick, I just want to appreciate you in this moment. It's these types of conversations. And I've listened to some of your other podcasts, and there's some just amazing ones on there. So, uh, you know, reflecting right back the appreciation to you that this is how the world will find their wholeness is through these types of conversations. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And I get to speak with people like you. So it's a (laughs) win-win. So I, I love it. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.